We like to call this the house of God, and if we're all God's children, then welcome home. And so to prepare ourselves for an encounter with the Spirit, I invite you to take three deep breaths. Let us worship the living God. now that everybody's wide awake, right? As you're able, please stand for the call to worship. Arise, shine, the light you have been waiting for is here. Darkness has been banished. God's light of hope floods the earth. God's light comes to us all. Lord, make us ready to journey to this light. Prepare our hearts to receive this light. Amen.
You may be seated. I too want to welcome you to this house of worship here at Westminster on this Sunday morning. We're glad that you're here, whether you've been coming for a long time or for the first time in a while or maybe for the first time ever. We want you to feel comfortable and welcomed here. If you're looking to learn more about the life of this church, please stop at our welcome table in the entryway or see anyone who's got a name tag on or any of us up front here. We'd love to get to know you better and answer any questions we can about the church. And with that, let us join as one community in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, forgive us for driving others away, whether through action or inaction, speech or silence. Strengthen our soul that we may be a source of life to others. Help us that we may offer an uplifting word when one is needed. Help us that we may give generously of our time and resources to others. Make us bold disciples, graciously and authentically share Christ with others in our words and our actions. Amen. Our prayers continue in silence. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ, there is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. So know that we have been set free, and be at peace. Amen. This is the Sunday of the month when we offer a birthday blessing. So if this is your birthday month, or if you are absent on the birthday blessing during your month, come on forward to receive a blessing. Happy birthday to each of you. Some of you may have seen in the news that the poet Mary Oliver died this past week. And uh, since then, my Facebook feed has been filled with Mary Oliver poems. It's actually been quite a blessing as friend after friend has posted their favorite Mary Oliver poem. And I've been able to just be immersed in her poetry these last few days. For those of you not familiar with Mary Oliver, um, many of her poems are focused on the natural world, on creation, on the joy and beauty that she receives from nature. So for this birthday blessing, I wanted to share with you just the first line and the last line of one of her poems. It's called, When the Roses Speak, I Pay Attention. And she begins the poem by speaking with the voice of the roses. And the roses say, as long as we are able to be extravagant, we will be hugely and damply extravagant. And then she ends her poem with her own reflection saying, their fragrance all the while rising from their blind bodies 
making me spin with joy. So my hope and my prayer for you, not only in this birthday month, but even in the year to come, is twofold. First, that you may be extravagant, as each one of you truly is, and that you will find those moments to spin with joy. Happy birthday. Right, you may be seated unless you would like to join us for the time of discovery. And then I would like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join us here at the front. All right. Holiday weekend. Let's see if we have any kids here. Okay, we have one. All right. Good. That's it. Because we could just do this at home if it's the two of us. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's not... Okay. Uh, it's nice to see you here. Welcome, especially if you're new to this time. This is when we have all the kids come forward and learn a little bit before we head out to Sunday school, if you're going to Sunday school. So today I want to talk to you about kind of a big word. That word is temptation. Now, raise your hand, wiggle your fingers if you've heard that word. You ever heard that word before? Temptation? Okay. doesn't matter if you don't know what it means, but maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. That's okay. Well, temptation is... Uh, it's when you really, really want something, but it may or may not be good for you. In fact, it may not be good for you or it may not be good for something else. Good example, uh, this select child always wants candy. And a little bit of candy is okay, especially if mom's hanging out with you all day. But um, a lot of candy isn't so good because not good for your teeth, right? Not good, it's not good growing food, right? So it's not always good for you. So... You do know this, right? So we have a similar, actually, issue around temptation here at the church. So we have this little problem. If attendance isn't as good as we had planned each Sunday, there are leftover donut holes in the refrigerator. And the staff has a particular weakness for donut holes that have been in the refrigerator for 24 hours. So we're tempted to eat 20 of them on Monday morning, those of us who work on Monday mornings. Then we're faced with a choice. What do you do with that temptation to do that thing that may not be good for you or may not be good for someone else? Well, there are a couple of choices. I need you to be listening, okay? So we have a couple of choices. One is I can, if I need to get from one end of the building to the other, I walk in the parking lot so I don't have to go by the kitchen, which is where the donut holes are, right? Um, another is I have just one. Um, that doesn't work, by the way. Uh, the third option is I give in to temptation and then I ask for forgiveness later. Uh, but there are all kinds of ways to handle temptation 
And today, if you're in the Sacred Stories class, you're going to hear a story about Jesus being confronted with a temptation or a set of temptations. And I wonder how Jesus is going to respond. I wonder what he'll do. I wonder if he'll give in. I wonder how he'll cope with it. Now, if you're not in sacred stories, say you're in third or fourth grade, you're going to hear a story about Jesus telling the good news and saying the good news is here. And you know what? We use those words all the time in church, but I bet a lot of people don't know what the good news is. So I wonder what you're going to find out about the good news. And I wonder if your adults will ask you about it after the service. So who can show me where we go for Sunday school? Somebody walk with me? Can you lead the way? Can you lead the way, little buddy? All right, I'll lead the way and you guys can follow me. Now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere. I'm joyful. One of the ways that we hope to build up a community here is to share what's going on in our lives so that we can um, stay connected, so that we can be in prayer for each other, whether it's a time of celebration or a time of sorrow or a time of challenge. Um, I'll turn it over to you in a second, but I have one that is, a, is I'm sure, a deep concern to this congregation. Uh, Doug Hunnicky reached out to me yesterday to let me know that he had had a stroke this weekend. Now, I said it the way I said it because I take some comfort from the fact that he was doing the texting. So he's clearly well enough to, to communicate in, in that way. But obviously, um, that's uh, serious just on the face of it. So um, he covets your prayers, of course, that you would hold him up to the healing light. Um, and he also respectfully asks that you would just hold off on calls and visits which is really hard to do because I know we want to care for someone we love so much. If you're new here, Doug was um, the pastor before I came uh, for 30 years, so he's a deeply loved by this congregation. Um, but sometimes the way we want to care is not the way that's most helpful to the person in need of care. So if you can, resist the temptation to call him or to visit. But certainly um, prayer, we will do the best we can to keep you updated um, as his tests are done and as he starts therapy and the like. But we certainly hold up Doug and Nancy in our collective prayers. Other joys or concerns? Elizabeth. Yeah, we lift up Debbie Dibsky who had a partial knee replacement this weekend and we, we uh, pray healing into her life. Others? Yes. Then, Lynn's got a frog in her throat, but she is, a, she is um, a seminary student who's been with us for a couple of years now, and she's going to Pakistan this week to do some work that's really a passion project for her, and so we hold you in prayer for your travels and your experience, and Araya for you uh, as, your, as your mom's away. Sherry. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sherry lifts up. Many of you in the investment world probably know the name Jack Bogle pretty well, but he was a member at Sherry's church for years back when we were in Philadelphia, and they were friends. And in fact, Sherry was a housemate with uh, the Bogle daughter, Sandy, for a long time. And so this, this one hits home for us in a personal way. Um, so we pray for the, the Bogle family. Uh, also, um, she's lifting up, as many of it's already been alluded to in the service, the loss of Mary Oliver. Uh, Joe Chapman, as you may remember, our intern from a couple summers ago was a poet, and his wife's a poet as well. And she came home the day the news happened and said that all, all our poets are dying. And uh, that's, I think, a statement just about um, uh, the loss of people who can speak truth in a beautiful way, in a way that touches us on a deep level. And so we feel that in the church. Yeah. Parbo. Yes, prayers for Beth, the uh, loss of a child, uh, unimaginable. Thank you, Harbo. Oh, Br- Bruce, I promised you one a while ago. I'm sorry, I'll come back. No, just glad to see Diane's back, and she's off her scooter. That's right, Diane, it's nice to see you. Uh, Bruce said you're off your rocker, off your scooter, on um, <laughs> walking. Yes, no, not at all, no. Uh, Diane has recovered remarkably, at least from my perspective, from an Achilles surgery, uh, uh, just before the holiday. Yeah, and then Joan. I ask for prayers for the um, government workers that yeah. are working without pay. And also prayers that um, our country could reach deep, deeply into the leadership on both sides of the aisle. So Michael lifts up prayers for our country's leaders that we might find a way forward. And certainly we hold all those who are working without pay or not working, um, but not getting paid right now. Joan. Joan lifts up either the street chaplaincy program and those who may uh, still be in desperate need, even as the county has shifted the way it's trying to help those who live without homes with roofs on them. One more, and then I'll close. Yes, please. Oh. Cheryl talks about moving back to Marin after 11 years, asks for prayers for her mother, and I hope you feel home and safe here. I want to lift up, and then we'll pray together. Um, Susan Burkout beautifully prayed for that um, not beautiful situation of the high school students mocking and shaming the Native American veteran in Washington this weekend as he tried to sing a sacred song as part of the indigenous uh, 
person's celebration, and it was an awful sight if you've seen it. If you've not seen it, it was an awful sight. Um, and Susan, uh, as someone who's worked with teenagers, um, so rightly said, let us pray for the young people who've been misguided, uh, that they might be set on a right path, that they might uh, open themselves to more awareness, for the teachers who are charged to teach them, the schools, for their parents, um, for the um, backlash that will come their way that might embody the very thing we're trying to correct in them. And let us on this Martin Luther King Day remember the work that is yet to be done. So with that, let us pray. Holy One, we remember this weekend the Reverend Dr. King. In his dream that has been so replayed and replayed that it's lost its teeth, we rededicate ourselves to his prophetic vision. And even as we celebrate the real progress that has been enjoyed, we ask for courage and clarity to take on the unfinished business that has lingered and festered for too long in too many places. So draw us together as your people. We pray these things, indeed we pray all things in the beloved name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Scripture this morning comes from Isaiah 62, 1 through 5. Listen to see what it says to you. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until her vindication shines out like the dawn. And her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see you vindication. And all kings your glory. And you shall be called a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called my delight, as in her and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. So ends the reading. That's good news. I have to tell you something. found myself, some of you already know, I hate telling people where I went to school. And some of you know why that is. Uh, it makes me cringe to tell people, and sometimes it makes other people cringe to find out. Uh, and if you were to go to www.pctiburon.org and go under the About Us tab, as I'm sure you do in your spare time, and look under staff and click my name, you will see that my education history is conveniently left out of my bio. (laughs) The reason is I went to Liberty University. (laughs) There it is. I went to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. And if you're not familiar with Liberty, you might be familiar with its founder, Jerry Falwell, who is of moral... There you go. Of moral majority fame, of old-time gospel hour fame. I don't know his son who runs the place. I'd met him a couple times. I actually knew Jerry. We had lunch a couple times. But I, like many athletes who was recruited to go there, had no idea what I was getting myself into. I showed up as a bright-eyed 18-year-old with dreadlocks to my shoulders, wishing to run track and cross-country, and told that I had to cut my hair because it was against the hair code. It needed to be above the ears, above the eyebrows, and off the collar. We were told things like, you have a curfew now. There's single-sex dorms. If you drink, you could get kicked out of school. All the things that my peers were experiencing on their colleges' campuses <laughs> were suddenly forbidden clearly at mine. It was a unique place. But I'm also happy to tell you that, uh, well, first off, people are either surprised or shocked to find out I went there. Uh, but since going there... This may be to a credit or them or an indictment of me or one or the other. I have been asked to return almost every year since I was there to teach seminars on youth ministry, on homiletics, what is a preaching class, on pastoral studies. I even have done uh, substituting for Greek, which I don't think that professor remembered my grades in Greek, (laughs) but I was happy to tack that onto my resume. And so naturally, having continued a lot of those relationships over the years with people at Liberty that are in ministry, colleagues and professors, churchy church people, us being, we talk about churchy church types of things together. We talk about God and 
church and ministry and theology and spirituality. And I'm probably not surprising any of you that we have plenty of disagreements about many of those topics. And sometimes those disagreements just become very frustrating and overwhelming to me because I get asked ridiculous questions like, well, what are you saying? That are you saved? This is a question I get asked from time to time, even while being a teacher there. Are you, do you just not believe Jesus is coming back? Do you not read the Bible? Oh, I get it. You're at a liberal church now. You know, they're at a conservative school. And what ends up happening is we have these conversations where this just lazy usage of labels and terms gets applied so that really we can just write each other off and not have to open ourselves up to having our preconceived notions about others being wrong. And doesn't that happen to us on a constant level? I don't know if you noticed when you came in, someone got carried away with a label maker. Uh, I saw this in the office and I got excited and thought you needed some help when you came in. So we labeled the narthex, we labeled the walls. Some of you saw cushion labeled carpet. I labeled, this is the pulpit. And I called this the tiny pulpit. <laughs> Door handles, because I just want to help. You know, when you see people with label makers, people have kind of a couple different reactions. There are the people who see the label maker, are sold on the idea of the label maker, and they buy the label maker, bring it to their home or office to bring order to the chaos. Because this is my stapler. Stop walking off with it. <laughs> These are my pens. Stop walking off with them. But then there are other people who get the label maker, and they really get carried away, as I did, where you see, you open the door, and there's white paper, blue paper, green paper, perforated paper, <laughs> towels over here, dishes, plates, forks, spoons, enable your children, you know, <laughs> co-worker, co-worker I do not like, co-worker I do like, you know, lunch friends. And then the rest of us are genuinely who I am, having never bought a label maker, but I'm happy that people have brought order to the chaos of my life because on a random Sunday morning, you're running to church and you have this idea of a game involving balloons and you think, oh, I hope I can find the balloons. And you run up to the education room, open the resource closets and you see very clearly labeled a bin that says balloons. And you're grateful that Coral Kisseberth is here and she has a label maker. <laughs> It's funny to me when people, seeing people come in to the sanctuary and into the narthex, they, they, the labels that are on the floor, they pick at them. They do like this. And they're kind of hard to remove, aren't they? And also, isn't that true of us? You've been given a label, maybe by the person you voted for. And people have assumed that, well, because you voted for this person, then you must agree with them on all these hundred other topics. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Or someone has said, oh, no, you know, we, you are a liberal, you're a conservative. So that means all these other things, or you're from there, you're from Marin, so you must be like that. Or you're from the Bay Area, you must be like this. Or you grew up in Oklahoma or Virginia, or you went to school at Liberty University. It's funny to me how people just get kind of carried away with their labels even as we ascribe them to other people. 
whether it has something to do with our heritage, our background, or a situational set of circumstances, we get these labels put on us. And Isaiah recognizes this. And that's why he says the words that he says. And prophets had this knack of doing very strange things to get people's attention. They would do anything, the biblical prophets, to get people's attention. Isaiah, one of his most infamous moments is in chapter 20. He, he struts around naked for three years to be a human metaphor of the embarrassment that Ethiopia and Egypt will suffer under the Assyrians. So, esteeming to be a prophet here today, I hope you know that just labeling things was much better than the alternative (laughs) of trying to get the message across. But as we read Isaiah's words, he says to us, You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. This place we live in in Marin is a beautiful place, and it's wonderful, and we all, we love being here, most of us, I think, but there are many people in our midst that feel forsaken. We are one of the, live in one of the wealthiest counties in the country, if not the world, yet our substance abuse and domestic abuse numbers are higher than the state average. Why is that? If you look around, if we are body, mind, and spirit, we're one of the healthiest counties. We're doing well in our body. We're also one of the well-educated. We're very sharp. Our mind is not the problem, but yet our souls are being crushed under the daily pressures of, of life. Many of us have jobs that require 40, 50, maybe even 60 hours of work a day, and you're spending another hour or two on the road Or at airports, trying to figure out how am I going to juggle all my responsibilities and still have time for my friends or my family or my spouse even? I mean, can I get a date night in? I mean, maybe next year. Let's check the calendar. And we wonder why we struggle the way we do, surrounded by such beauty. We feel forsaken. Your neighbors, your friends and your PTAs and your HOAs, They struggle with the same things, and we know this. And it makes me wonder, why don't we share our spiritual lives with each other? Oftentimes we look at politics, and particularly religion, as a very personal thing, and it is. But that idea that religion is a very personal matter has to do with you. It shouldn't have to do with, well, it has to do with others, not necessarily about you. Tony Campolo Uh, a Baptist minister, an American Baptist minister, had a great phrase about this. He said, I would submit to you that the church is the only club in the world whose sole existence is based on its non-members. What we do here is not about us. It's about everyone else. It's about bringing healing to the world and ourselves in that process. That is the mystery of the gospel, that we are healed in the process of bringing healing. And so we end up in this strange place where we're trying to be brave. How do we be brave and vulnerable and open with our own spiritual journeys and including people on those journeys with us? Because we know they're hurting. Maybe we've heard, we've seen that Facebook post, we've seen that Instagram picture, we've seen those things in their life, or they've just flat out told us. 
And on this Martin Luther King holiday, I have to bring him up because he was actually one of the reasons that I pursued ministry. Uh, he talked so much and lived his life in a place where he mentioned how we have to move from this place of tolerance is not enough. We have to move from tolerance and respect is not enough. We have to move towards inclusion. That when we are including each other in our personal lives, then we have reached that heavenly place. It is based on our inclusion. And while that does have to do with a variety of labels, one of them has to do with our spiritual journeys. That we are very tolerant of people's sufferings. We hear about it, we know about it, and we're tolerant in doing nothing about it. And we hear and we know and we, we respect their pains and their struggles and their heartaches, and we respect it by offering a prayer and weeping for them, but still saying little or doing nothing. What if we included people on this journey with ourselves? How would it be a blessing to ourselves and to them? One of the couple things happens that prevents us from doing this, it prevents me. You know, you get embarrassed. You think, oh, I don't want to come across as a super religious person. And again, I just think, what does that even mean, that label? I mean, what, what does it mean? Does it mean you just, you don't dance? Because that's what I heard in college. <laughs> does, it, does it mean you cut your hair a certain way? Like, what does that even mean that you're too religious? Or we say things like, oh, you know, they're too young. You know, young people, you've read the numbers and you've said, oh, young people are not interested in their faith lives. But that's fascinating to me because at this church, if, I just discovered that every year we ask about 40 people to serve as a ruling elder. We only need three. And we ask, it requires us to ask 40 adults to fill three spots. Yet when we asked a teenager last year to do it, the first one said yes. And this year we asked a different teenager to do it, and she said yes. One for one. One for one. But yet people tell me that young people aren't interested. And I just think as someone who's worked with them, really? Because what I see is this. Jesus calls us to come and die to self. And then what we do is say to our young people, Die to your studies, die to your work, die to your sports, die to your extracurriculars. And if you've got a few minutes, can we just offer a prayer for dinner? Really? And young people are the problem. I don't know. One other thing we do is we say, oh, well, you know, they're retired. Because we've been hearing once we had a kind of an intergenerational meeting with our youth and so people were retired there were saying that, you know, now that I'm retired, I'm busier than I've ever been. It was actually kind of a buzzkill for our teenagers. But <laughs> thinking they had something to look forward to, I guess they don't. But <laughs> we say, oh, well, they're too busy, you know, and people are too busy for that. They have kids, they have families, they got so much going on. And yeah, Sunday morning is a pretty inconvenient time. It's right smack dab in the middle of the weekend means you can't go to the snow and you're absolutely right and so but that makes me wonder why when and where did Sunday morning worship service become the only thing that we can share in our spiritual journey with other people 
I hate to break it to you, but as far as I know, and no one's ever corrected me on this, in all four of the Gospels, we never read of Jesus inviting someone to the temple. He never did that. What he did was invite people to live life with him. What he did was have dinner with quote-unquote sinners and tax collectors, not religious people. What he did was he went fishing with people. He talked about life with people. He said, let's go and bring healing to people. He said, let's go and speak out against injustice together. And the people who are bullying and oppressing people, let's go speak out to them. And that's a lot easier, because when I look at our bulletin, and I see the things that are going on in this community, when I first came here, I thought, what a beautiful place, the things that we do have going on. What are you doing on Thursday? Well, I'm actually meeting with a bunch of dads. Oh, what do you, yeah, what do you do? Well, we just talk about kind of the struggles of parenthood. It's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous for dads, you know? <laughs> but it brings a lot of healing to the room, and, and, and it does. Or what, what are you doing this afternoon? What are you doing on Saturday, Sunday afternoon? Oh, we're going hiking. We're going to the beach to make mandolins. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to yoga tomorrow morning with my church. Or what are you doing Tuesday night? Can we have you over for dinner? No, actually, we're going to serve a bunch of hungry people in an interfaith street chaplaincy dinner. There's so many things that we do that we should be proud of, and we are. I've talked to many of you about this who've been to several different churches, and we talk about the uniqueness and beauty of this place, that it is a beloved community, that this place does have something special about it. And having have served at other places, I won't go far, so far as to say this place is more special to me than other places. You have had an effect on my life and my family's life and my friends' lives who've been here with us. And that has been a particular blessing. And so that causes me to wonder, why do we hoard these blessings to ourselves when we know our neighbors feel forsaken, feel forgotten, whose lands feel desolated, whose families have been broken apart, whose hearts have been broken, who struggle under the same struggles that we do. And yet we hold all these things to ourselves, and it makes me wonder, at what point will we tear the labels off that we've ascribed to other people and allow ourselves to be vulnerable and open with them? Because in order to bring ourselves together, in order to bring uni unity, bring each other together, Somebody's got to be open. Somebody's got to be open with who they really are. What are you doing on Sunday? Oh, you know, i got a thing in Tiburon. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to church. <laughs> it gets a little awkward. I don't want to be labeled that certain way, but you should know that God has given you a label. Beloved. Child of God that has been given to all of us. You have gifts. You have been a blessing to the people in, this, in, this, in your midst, in this building. But please, what you cannot do, do not keep your light within the walls of this church. Do not keep the good news that we are all children of God, and there is a God of the universe, supreme being, a divine power, a spirit that loves you exactly for who you are. That is beautiful. That is wonderful. And our efforts 
to belong with each other, and our efforts to include others in our lives, to be open to be included in their lives, out of our own spiritual journeys and our own curiosity. We let the light shine on us as well. So, will you please let your light shine outside of this church, Westminster? Will you please do that? Will you please carry this good news outside of the walls of this church? That we're all beloved, that you're not forsaken, and that this land is no longer desolate. Will you please do that, Westminster? Wow, look at you. I got a new label for you. I think I can call you an evangelist now. <laughs> Wait till I go back to Liberty next time and tell them about this. <laughs> Amen.
may be seated. One of the reasons we say welcome to worship on Sunday mornings, but not welcome to church, is because our assumption is just what Jeff said, that church is, and church happens wherever and whenever the people of God gather. And taking a cue from his word this morning, I want to lift up several things happening in the life of this beloved community, that phrase that Dr. King loved so much. Uh, on uh, the 26th uh, Saturday, there's a spiritual life retreat. There's more information about that in your bulletin with all things. And I've been told there's still some space available. So if you're interested in participating in a day-long retreat, please RSVP to Pat O'Neill. And if you're not able to figure out how to do that, you can let me know or let Bethany know. That's fine as well. One of our mission partners, I would say our ministry partners, is the Center for Domestic Peace. And Cynthia Williams from the center is here today. She has a table set up in Finley Hall uh, where we'll have fellowship time after. And I encourage you, if you want to learn more about that important work in this community, please stop by and see her and bring your questions. Next week is a very important week in the life of the church. It's the annual meeting of the congregation. That is an open meeting to anyone. You don't have to be a member to be present there. Members are the only ones who can vote, but there may be things you really uh, learn by being there. Uh, It's a time when we ask questions about the budget that was recently approved. Those budgets are printed and available. Some are in the narthex. If we run out or if you want to receive it in any other form, we can electronically send it to you from the office. It will be available. So you have time to look over it before next Sunday. Uh, We'll also be doing that sacred act of voting on our elders and deacons and next year's nominating committee uh, at that meeting. So I encourage you to be here. It's right at the end of this service. In fact, we'll start it before the postlude to try (laughs) to keep you in. Um, Let's see here. One one more, and it's really a catch-all for a number of other things. You may notice the bulletin board kind of on the way to the far end of the hallway is filling with very interesting events, and if you haven't stopped by there, I encourage you to stop by. This morning I was driving in, listening to NPR, and I heard this really interesting author on, and then I, the more I heard, I thought, wait a minute, this guy is coming to First Presbyterian San Anselmo to speak. Uh, he's the author of The End of ICE. ICE is not an acronym there. It's not an immigration talk. It, it means ice, like the stuff that melts. Um, It's a talk about climate change and the effect that is already having in the world and what that means for us and what that calls forth from us as people of justice. And First San Anselmo has been a really important congregation in leading the way about recognizing environmentalism as a faith issue, as a theological crisis, not just a scientific crisis. And so as part of their Green Chautauqua series, they're having that author there. That's just one of about five or six things that's posted on that bulletin board. So I encourage you to stop by and see it on the way out. And as Jeff encouraged, when you're in your daily life, say, hey, I'm going to this thing over at First Presbyterian and some. Why don't you come with me? It's important. And with that, let's rise in body or spirit for our closing hymn number 760.
label is kind of hard to tear off. So, I, and I appreciate you being a part of the process. It's not tear off the label of being a student of Liberty University. <laughs> now you can say you know someone from there. <laughs> but as you leave this place, may you be set free of the labels in your life. And may you share your one wildlife with the forsaken in this desolate land. Amen.